3 of David. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Please take a seat. That little bit in bold is the uh, section of the psalm we have uh, remaining to consider tonight. And I'd ask you to uh, pray with me as we look at those words again. We pray you'd open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word, open our hearts to receive them, and then open our mouths to declare your praise. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm calls more for devotion than exposition. Shall I try that again? This psalm calls more for devotion than exposition. That's how one of the great uh, Bible commentators, Matthew Henry, starts what he says about Psalm 103. And it slightly lets the preacher off the hook uh, if we don't get every detail of every verse worked out on the way through in a verse like this because that's not necessarily the goal when you're with a great psalm like this. It ought to be calling forth devotion in our souls. Uh, one of the um, characters from history that I'm quite interested in is, I don't know much about him, but Menelik II was the emperor of Abyssinia. 
at the start of the 20th century, and I've managed to get uh, stories about him in. One of his um, eccentricities, he had a number, was that he used to actually eat Bible pages because he thought they had medicinal properties. And there was one point where he was rather unwell, and he decided that the only thing he could do in this situation was to eat a large chunk of um, one and two kings. I have to tell you that it did not do him good. I'll leave you to find out more about the story. Um, But gulping down the Bible as if it will automatically do us good is, is not right. What we have to do is to take it in and meditate on it. And that surely is the message of this psalm. Look at the first verse. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Look at the last five words of the psalm, down the bottom of the page if you're working from the service sheet. Praise the Lord my soul. So what he's doing is pile driving into his soul the reasons to praise Almighty God. And he takes however many verses it is, 23, 22 verses, to do that. And uh, gulping down these verses, well, I'm glad we've been able to take at least four weeks. I want to encourage you to pile drive the truths down into your own soul this evening to go from here and to ponder maybe some of the things we've thought about over the last few weeks so that they do their work of giving us not just prayers to pray, but praise to praise uh, to Almighty God. Now, mentioned the, the territory we've traveled on. David, who wrote the psalm, we think, uh, started with an individual episode of blessing that had happened in his life that caused him to praise God. He didn't want to forget the benefits he had received in his own life. It moves outwards from that individual blessing to David, he's saying, come and join me as I praise God, to national history, the way God made known his deeds to Moses in that great rescue in the book of Exodus. Individual blessing, national history. It then spreads out further to to tell us about the eternal fatherhood of God. He's covenanted to have a people for whom he will be a father that forgives their sins and whose love never budges from them. The grave may grab people, but they're safe in God's covenant. So that eternal fatherhood is in view in the little section we looked at last week. And then it widens out one step further in the last few verses of the psalm to talk about the universal rule of God, to praise him for that his universal rule all over creation. So verse 19 to the end, that's the theme, but it's stated clearly, it seems to me, in verse 19 itself. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Which we probably are sent to uh, on paper. We say the creeds week by week will declare that universal rule of God. I think it gets eroded in our thinking in lots of subtle ways. I was hearing from Susu about somebody she heard about this week who was happy consulting horoscopes. And it surprised me to think that people did that as regularly as they do. I remember around the turn of the millennium, uh, 
hearing old Robbie Williams, who's, who's a, a good singer but not a great theologian, talking about how the stars direct our fate. We've got stars directing our fate. But I thought we'd um, wised up to that slightly since then. I guess it's a permanent thing that we'll think that other forces are directing our fate and we replace the sovereign rule of God over all of creation um, with those other rival powers. No, Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not governed by the movements of the planet or other forces. God rules over all, which is a huge reassurance, or should be, as we face an uncertain future. For whoever that might be true, for a student, unsure what job is out there, for new Christians, unclear whether they can last the course spiritually, for anyone who reads the papers, who gets worried that the world has got very choppy waters to navigate at the moment. No, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Actually, the uh, word in the original language, the wording is, is even more strong. It says, his, his kingdom rules over the all. There's a definite article tucked in there. In other words, the whole box and dice is under his control. Every atom of creation. And it's such good news that David has to share it. Uh, Notice again as I read from verse 20, how the praise there is not addressed to God specifically. It is more that it's about God. But it's addressed to every being in the universe as he speaks about God. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. So you get the, if I'm not being too logical and analytical about it, you get the logic there. If he rules over it all, then everywhere is his dominion, and everywhere in his dominion must praise him. And therefore, he, David, must tell them to praise him. Or we, by extension, we must do the same. We tell everyone in God's dominion to acknowledge his rule and to praise him. We're calling on others to see his greatness and praise him, not just praising him to himself. I wonder if you know what the New Testament equivalent to these verses is. I wonder if it isn't Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's on the throne. Therefore, says Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. Praise isn't only singing to God. It is that. But there is more. It is us proclaiming God, praising God to the world. Jesus Christ is on the throne and we must keep proclaiming him because he reigns. Even where society might be disputing his rule. So I don't recommend necessarily that in every conversation you have with somebody who's not yet regularly in church, you start 
the conversation by saying, praise the Lord. But that is what you are calling on them to do. That's what we're calling on people to do. We're proclaiming his holy name to them, telling him, telling them what a glorious God he is. And the themes of the psalm, as I've listed them already this evening, are matter to praise to other people. His personal involvement in our lives. His historic rescue, back in Exodus and David's case, at the cross in our case. His eternal fatherhood, how good it is to know that he is a loving father to us in Christ. And here, his universal rule, no rivals to him, he is on the throne. And I assume we proclaim those wonderful truths about God, not just to those that we've already begun to reach and talk with. Because this is a universal rule, it commits us to taking it further and further to all that we can in the course of our lives. So everywhere in his dominion is to praise him. It'll go wider than ever from us, we trust, if this is really taken to heart by us. Um, From Cambridge to the World was the title of a, a book I once used to enjoy reading. Well, let's change it slightly from Little Shelford to the ends of the earth. Everywhere in his dominion, to praise him. But remember, please, the footnote. Uh, Will you just look down to the bottom of the psalm? Verse 22, praise the Lord, my soul. And it's as if the whole orchestra, all those angels who his bidding, every work in the, the universe has been, all the orchestra has been brought in section by section by the conductor, the angels, the heavenly hosts, all his works, everywhere in his dominion, all are called to praise him. And then the conductor stops. Says, I can't, I can't, I can't hear the piccolo. Where's the piccolo? One note is missing. Well, says David, praise the Lord, O my soul. So it comes back from the universal to the individual, to me, to you, every individual soul. I think I've said quite recently that uh, the challenge for us in building the church is not to focus on the church, sort of big picture, but one by one by one, people coming to know Christ. So one person here sharing the gospel with one another there and bringing that one person in. This is the uh, maxim of my uh, father-in-law who just reminds his church regularly, one by one by one. That's how the kingdom grows. And therefore the individual soul is the last port of call in this psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul. And I therefore really want to encourage you to take time tonight to praise God yourself, as I take time myself to praise God. He rules over all, therefore he must rule over me. And I want to close by addressing that challenge to us this evening. I mean, it goes without saying that I should address that to anybody who knows at this stage they haven't yet given 
their souls to the Lord Jesus. And they're not yet praising him for themselves. You've not taken that personal step to come off the throne and say, Jesus, you have the throne of my life. Obviously, that's a step for somebody in that situation to take as soon as you can, because he is your Lord, and it's treason not to let him be boss of your life. So that's the answer. If if you're not yet a Christian, if you're thinking about it, that's the challenge for you to begin to praise him in that way, to give Jesus the control of your life, the lordship and the honor that he deserves. But all of us, David, in this psalm, all of us need to take time to praise the Lord, O my soul. I want to actually make us do that or encourage us to do that as best as I can from the front uh, right now in the service. I've got sheets of paper that need to be dished up so that we can take two or three minutes just to jot down as many reasons why we want to praise God in our souls. And we'll have a chance to do that in the hearing of each other. But it begins with the individual, doesn't it? So I want to just take a bit of time now, two or three minutes, for people to jot down as many as you like, and then we'll, as it were, share them by praying out loud and boldly. And uh, I'm sure that that will be a good exercise for us as we hear each other do it. So ponder while I dish them out, because you've got a chance to write them. in a moment as a preparation for communion and if you want to praise God with some of the things you've thought about it would be lovely if people were willing to lead us I guess not everybody will do so but please stand and let's praise God together as, as loudly and clearly as you can muster the courage to do even if you want to turn to face others you can do that too forget not all his benefits we praise you for Benefit after benefit after benefit given to us, Lord. Amen.